All right, you can turn with me to Revelation chapter 5, but I'm going to read to you out of Philippians chapter 2 again, first of all, because we've been talking about the blood of Jesus, but in talking about the blood of Jesus, I just cannot get over the fact of the humility of Jesus Christ. And that's why I've been starting this series with Philippians chapter 2, because when we understand his humility, then that'll cause us to be humble and not prideful and not arrogant. It'll cause us to be confident. It'll cause us to be bold, but not prideful. And um, when we think of how much love the Father has for us and all that He has done for us, and He did it in humility. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 says this, and, and part of the reason that I like this too is because this is how we're supposed to be as well. We're supposed to have this mind. And it's ours, we just have to exercise it. We just have to do it. Philippians 2, 5, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself, and this is how he humbled himself, by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I mean, when we understand this, we, we have to come to the conclusion that God the Father entrusted himself to Jesus to do the work that he was had to do to bring us forgiveness. But the son, Jesus, had to trust himself to the Father. That when he went through it, it was going to be okay. I mean, there's a lot of trust that has to go on here. And so in the middle of all of this, you have to know that the Holy Spirit was at work in them. You know, because they had to be in agreement. And um, it says, in, and it's not coming up, but in Revelation 13, 8, that the Lamb was slain before the foundations of the world. So... God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, they had this all planned out before they even created anything. Before you and I came into existence, before the world came into existence, they had this plan to be able to bring forgiveness to us and redemption and, and salvation and restoration and all that Jesus did for us. They had this in their mind. They had it planned and they worked their plan. Woo! Hebrews 9.22 says, Indeed, under the law, and this is the law of Moses and everything that God asked them to do, it says, Almost everything is purified with blood, and without the shedding of blood there is no forgiveness of sins. And so that's why Jesus shed His blood, was to be able to forgive us our sins. And notice that sins is plural. <laughs> and there's some Christians that you think that he can't forgive your sin after you've come to know him, but surely not. He forgives all your sins. You know, it's amazing to me how many Christians live in that bondage that, 
you know, they've come to know the Lord and they're not perfect. I mean, like you weren't perfect before you came to him. What makes you think you're going to be perfect after? You're, you're still you. But we're to grow. But that doesn't mean, even in our growth, it doesn't mean that we're not going to sin. It's not, it doesn't mean that we're going to be perfect in the sense of not making any mistakes. It means that there's a process of growing and maturing in the things of God. In Exodus chapter 12, don't turn there because we're not going to go there yet. Exodus 12, it talked about the progression when Jesus was given instructions about the uh, Passover night. And he talked about a lamb. And then he talked about uh, the lamb. And then he talked about your lamb. And, you know, that's the progression that has to take place in our lives as well. We, we hear about a lamb. Then we hear about the lamb, Jesus Christ. And then he doesn't do us any good until he becomes our lamb. Amen. All right, so that brings me to Revelation chapter 5. You there? And a lot of people think Revelation is scary. It's not. It's wonderful. Revelation chapter 5. We've looked at the previous verses and we've looked at these two, but uh, we're going to start in verse 11. Revelation 5, 11 and 12. Then I looked and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders, the voice of many angels, Numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And we'll stop there because we've been looking at these seven things that Jesus has received. And I want you to know that he's received these so that he can give them to us. Now, last week we went through the first um, three. We skipped four and we went to number five. So let me just um, review this. But I want you to understand that we're looking at this in context of there are seven things that Jesus has received, but there were seven places on his body that he bled from, that his, his blood was shed from. So we're correlating them. We're putting them together. Okay? Now, one other thing that I want to mention, and... Uh, I tried to get it in last week, tried to get it in this week, but in, I believe it's Leviticus chapter 17, when the high priest on the Day of Atonement, he would go in once a year to the Holy of Holies where the Ark of the Covenant was, and God had him put his finger in the blood of the Lamb and put it on the uh, mercy seat seven times. There's seven things here that Jesus received. There's seven places that his body was broken, that his blood was shed, and there were seven times that the high priest was to put the blood on the mercy seat. Isn't that amazing? God's in the numbers. It's not spooky either. And I do want to say one other thing. Um, I believe that part of this has started because of Christie's faithfulness to give us the month at a glance where it's talking about the Hebrew calendar because this is so important when we talk about Passover. God literally changed history the night of Passover and started a new uh, calendar year for them. And she, I think it's been two years, a year, year and a half. So, 
she's been giving this and it's like it has lit a fire under me. But then studying about the blood of Jesus and looking at it in association with the Passover. It's amazing. God is so good. He's so faithful. I want you to know something. You can trust him. You can trust God. All right. So the first one that he received was power. And this comes from his shed, the blood shed from his feet, giving us power over the enemy. We looked at that last week. <clears throat> Wealth. Um, some of your Bibles may say riches. Doesn't matter. But this is the blood that flowed from his left hand, giving us riches and honor. And I just want you to know also that it's not just financial wealth here that he's talking about because um, there's the riches of our good works. There's, there's the riches that God has for us to do. And so I don't believe that this is just associated with financial wealth, but we'll all take it, right? Okay. The third one we looked at was wisdom. And this is when they put the crown of thorns on his head and we have the wisdom of God and we are have that invitation that God has given us to walk not in the wisdom of this world, but in the wisdom of heaven. We can walk in God's ways. We don't have to be limited to just what we see and what we understand and what we know in the natural. We can tap into the things of heaven. How awesome is that? Honor. This is the fifth one, but it was our fourth one last week. And honor comes from the bloodshed from Jesus' right hand, representing honor or long life. When the scripture would talk about long life, especially in the Old Testament, it, it would have the whole understanding there of honor. Okay? And I believe it's Proverbs 14 that spoke of that in uh, wealth and honor and stuff. All right, I got to slow down because I know Betty's probably mad at me right now. She's like, Pastor, slow down. So today we're going to look at the fifth one, actually the fourth one, but it's number five for us. And it's might or strength. This one has rocked my boat because it's just so wonderful. It's so amazing. Jesus shed his blood for us so that we might have might and strength. And this might and strength come from the shedding of Jesus' blood when he took the stripes that bring us healing on his back. I don't know what your life is like, but I, I can tell you how mine is. I could use some more strength. I could use some more might. And I'm so grateful God has provided that for me through Jesus Christ. The world needs to see a body that is full of strength, not just whimpering by, not just surviving, not just hoping that you can do the right thing, not just hoping that you're going to make it to the end whenever the end comes and you're praying that the end hurry up and comes because you're so tired. And 
honestly, I don't even care how old you are. If you're still breathing, then God has a plan for your life. And He wants to have us be a people of might and strength and not just hanging on. You know, I, I get so frustrated with Christians who, who you ask them how they're doing. I'm just hanging on. To what? Because if you're hanging on to the cross of Jesus Christ, then you have something that you ought to be rejoicing about, not just being miserable, just trying to hang on until it ends. And I'm assuming that when they say they're hanging on, they're hanging on to the cross. Well, then why don't you act like it? His blood was shed. Hit the cross. He nailed everything to the cross for us. Not so that we could survive, but so that we would live. Now, I, I'm, my wife saw my message yesterday, and she's like, I'm praying for you. I said, why? She said, I don't think you're getting through. So I don't know if we're going to get through it or not, but I'm going to try. Turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 1 or chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2. And I hope that I could do this justice. We're going to go 1 Peter chapter 2, then we're going to go to Isaiah 53. But in all of this, we're going to be looking back at Exodus with the uh, Exodus chapter 12 where he's talking about the Passover. Because it's so amazing. And well, let's just read 1 Peter chapter 2. We're going to start in verse 21. Now, I would like to start earlier than that, you know, uh, but for the sake of time, and we'll start in verse 21. 1 Peter 2 21. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might Die to sin and live to righteousness. Now, I want to pause here for a moment and I want you to understand this. He's talking about Jesus leaving us an example of suffering. If you go the verses before this, he's also talking about how we're to live our lives in the midst of opposition, in the midst of persecution. But he says, all of this, Jesus is our example. Verse 24 again. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. And then let's read the rest of it. By his wounds, you have been healed. Everybody say, have been healed. Okay, if you have been healed, that is past tense, right? Okay. Verse 25. This is so amazing to me. Verse 25. For you were 
straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. There's nothing like trouble in our lives. Now, I don't need to go looking for it. I don't need it to come knocking on my door, but it does. Sooner or later, all of us are going to face some kind of trouble in our lives. We're going to face some kind of hardship. We're going to have struggles that we have to overcome. We're going to have even questions about what God is doing in our lives. Because to us, it simply doesn't make sense. And it's, if we will be wise in this, it's in our times of struggle, in our times of uncertainty and confusion, and in our times of suffering that we would turn to the Lord and not run from Him. And that's what Peter is saying to them here. In verse 25, he's saying, for you were straying like sheep. In other words, you were doing your own thing. But now you have come back to the shepherd, the overseer of your soul. In other words, he's saying, but you've come to your senses again. You're coming back to Jesus. And Paul or Peter writes this in light of them suffering. This wasn't a good time in their lives. And we're going to see that in just a second. But I want you to turn with me to Isaiah chapter 53, please. Isaiah chapter 53. We're going to start in verse 4. Isaiah 53, verse 4. Isaiah 53, 4. Surely he has borne our griefs. And carried our sorrows. Now let me just pause here for a moment. Has anybody ever suffered grief? Has anybody ever experienced sorrow in this life? Yes. We all have. And if you haven't. It's only because you're young. But keep breathing and keep growing. And you will experience it. But notice what it says about our grief and our sorrows. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. In other words, when we saw all that happening to Christ, we thought, man, what is happening? God is punishing him. No, not altogether. Just a little bit. For us. Verse 5, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was a chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. But say, we are healed. Now, I like we are healed. But I prefer we have been healed. Because what I'm telling you is, and, and I always have to say this because I usually read these together. We have to understand when Isaiah is writing this, he's looking to the cross. He's being led by the Holy Spirit. He's looking towards the cross and he says, through the cross, we are healed. Peter, on the other hand, he's looking at it from this side and he's looking back at it. He's looking back at what Isaiah said. And Isaiah said, we are healed. But 
in between Peter and Isaiah is the cross of Jesus Christ. And the cross of Jesus Christ is not, you, it's not we are healed, it's we have been healed. It's past tense. You see, Isaiah was looking at it as future tense. Peter's looking at it, it's a done deal, it's past tense. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Does that not sound like what Peter said? In their persecution, when they were scattered, they turned away from the Lord, but he's saying, now you've come back to him. Might and strength are ours as we apply the shed blood of Jesus upon our lives. And this is through the stripping of His back that brings us strength and healing. Now, here's why this is so. The back speaks of might and strength. The back does. But in this case, it also speaks to us of healing. Because of the stripes that Jesus took on His back. Jesus bore our sins. He bore our sicknesses. He bore our griefs. He bore our sorrows. And He made every kind of healing available to us. Peter is quoting Isaiah and he's trying to encourage the church because of the struggles that they are going through. And he's just painting the picture of, look, I know you're struggling. I know things haven't been going well. I know you're probably even confused a little bit, but I want you to know something. Jesus left us an example that we should follow after. When we suffer, we need to be like Him. Mm. When you are under, if you, we haven't really figured this out because we haven't experienced it, but when you're under persecution, you're struggling. When you're under persecution for your faith, you're struggling. And I'm not talking about the kind in this house where somebody gets your seat on Sunday morning. Or they don't look at you right. That's not persecution. That's something else and we don't have time for that. But when they're being beaten, do you understand that Peter, when he was dying, they wanted to crucify him like Christ. And he was so moved by the life of Christ that he refused to be killed like that. He let him do it on a cross, but he said, you turn the cross upside down because I'm not worthy to die like he did. That's persecution. What you're going through isn't persecution right now. It might be some struggles. There might be some difficulty, but it's nothing compared to what they're facing. 
And God, Peter through God, or God through Peter says to them, look at, look at Christ. Look at Christ and find your might. Find your strength. Find your hope. I mean, it's almost as if he's saying, okay, great, you're suffering. And he really does say that. <laughs> I'm going to prove it to you in just a minute. I mean, this, this dude is like off his, out of his mind the way he's writing. But he's trying to get them to turn to Jesus. Because what do we do when we're facing our struggles? We usually look at our struggles and we stare at our struggles and we call everybody up and we tell them about our struggles. Like, they're going to be able to fix them. And they have struggles on their own, and so how can they fix us if they can't even fix their own struggles? But it's not other people that we have to be turning to. It's to Jesus. That's what Peter is telling us to do. And what a beautiful picture of how Jesus endured. He endured. Okay? And left us an example that we should follow in as He endured the cross and the shedding of His blood. So I want to encourage you this morning that no matter what you're facing, no matter what your struggle is. And we all have struggles. We all have some sort of crazy thing going on in our life. We can find encouragement and encourage one another because of Jesus' example of strength and might. And I just want to throw this scripture in because people can be strange. They think that God doesn't heal anymore because the apostles passed away. Well, if God doesn't heal anymore, it's only because He's passed away then. And He hasn't passed away. And so I want to read this because Peter talks about by the stripes of Jesus Christ we have been healed. Isaiah prophesied it. But in Exodus chapter 15 verse 26, it says this, and this is when they've come out of the wilderness. God has delivered them out of Egypt, or they haven't come out of the wilderness. They've come out of Egypt. He's trying to get things set up. They've complained. They have issues. And this is what he says in Exodus 15, 26, saying, if you will diligently listen to the voice of the Lord your God and do that which is right in his eyes and give ear to his commandments, and keep all his statutes. I will put none of the diseases on you. That I put on the Egyptians. For I am the Lord. Your healer. So God has been healing. All the way back. That's his nature. He can't help but heal. Isn't that awesome? But he's found a sure way to do it. By the stripes of Jesus Christ. On his back. So healing did not start with the stripes of Jesus Christ. It started with God. Who is our healer. You might be right. Alright, now let's take. Peter and Isaiah, and we're not going to turn there, but 
back to Exodus chapter 12 with the Passover. What God established with the Passover was all pointing to Jesus Christ. And if you remember the Passover that the Israelites celebrated. And this is what happened. They, they had a lamb that they were supposed to kill and apply the blood with hyssop on the doorpost and on the lintel, which is the top. And then when the death angel came that night, when God instructed them to do this, that when the death angel came to kill the Egyptians firstborn, if he saw the blood on the doorpost and the lintel, he passed over that house. Okay? Now, I want to remind you also that they were supposed to stay inside. There was no protection for them if they were outside of the house, if they were outside of the blood. Okay? That's coming in a later message, but I just wanted to forewarn you. When the Israelites were preparing for this night, God had told them not to use leavened bread and they were actually instructed to get rid of all the leaven in the house so that they would make sure that they made unleavened bread. Okay? Because what was going to happen is once they he passed over the those Israelites' homes that had the blood on the doorpost and the lintel, then the Egyptians were going to realize that their firstborn were all killed and they were going to get rid of the Israelites and they were going to let them go. But God wanted them to be able to go in haste so they couldn't wait for the bread to rise. So they used unleavened bread. Okay? They called the unleavened bread matzah. And let me describe it to you. Matzah bread is almost a, well, it has a corrugated look. Like, almost like cardboard, but not as bad. You know, you taste, supposed to be all this healthy food that tastes like cardboard. That ain't healthy for you. I think the reason they think it's healthy is because you'll stop eating it. Okay, so it was corrugated and they would punch holes in it from the top to the bottom, vertical. Okay? And it would have bumps and bruises and stuff, but they would do this. But then alongside the rows that they would have created, with poking it, with piercing it, there would be brown pockets of dough that would form. And they would form peaks and valleys. Do we have a shot of it? This is what it would look like. This is part of the Passover. Here's what's so amazing about this. We know that Jesus was pierced, right? But the brown spots up there 
are representing the stripes that Jesus took. And all of this took place. I'll give you some more next week on the matzah. But it's amazing to me how good God is. In the Egyptians' mind, this is also called the bread of affliction. And it represents the centuries of slavery in Egypt endured by the Israelites. Okay? The brown stripes running the length of the bread recall the lashings, the beatings the slave drivers placed upon the Israelites. Because when they were in Israel, when they came because of Joseph, they were few in numbers, but now they're large in numbers. And if you remember when Moses came to deliver them, they made it harsher for the Israelites to make the bricks. And they were beating them. Not that they weren't beating them before, but they were doing it now. And it was such a struggle that they couldn't fulfill everything, all their quota, every day. I mean, they were tortured. They were beaten. And so the stripes on the matzah bread are to remind them of their beatings. But the stripes of Jesus Christ are to remind us of the beating that Jesus took to allow His blood to shed and to flow so that we could be redeemed. Matzah is also known as the bread of freedom and healing. When God redeemed them from Egypt with an outstretched arm. Mm. And so we read in Isaiah where he speaks of Jesus' body being beaten and broken for us and the shedding of his blood for us. And I want to remind you, this is what our communion is all about as well. The brokenness of the body of Jesus Christ for us. The matzah holes stand for His piercing. And the brown stripes on the matzah represent His stripes by which we are healed and set free from the bondage of sin. Because that's what Egypt represents. And for the Israelites and their bondages and beatings to and from the hand of the Egyptians. When we begin to understand this, I'm hoping that we understand that we don't have a right to demand from God our lives. We don't have a right to tell God how and what He ought to do in our lives. How He ought to use us. How He ought to bless us. So that He can be blessed. Well, He's already blessed. He just wants us to get a right mind so that He can bless us, so that He will be glorified. 
But I'm hoping that we'll see that our lives are not ours. We're, we don't have the freedom to live any way we want and then God has to deal with it. Turn back with me to 1 Peter, but I want you to turn to chapter 1, please. 1 Peter chapter 1. And as you're turning there, I want you to think about all this. The Israelites were delivered from their struggles, their hardships, their beatings that they received from the hands of the Egyptians. And by the first Passover, God delivered them. The very first one, God delivered them. Then he allowed them, he made them do this every year in remembrance of his delivering them. And so everything about the matzah was symbolic of Jesus taking our stripes and bringing us deliverance. We've looked at Peter and Isaiah and how they correlate together. But I want to remind you that Peter's speaking to a bunch of Christians who, who are being persecuted. Now, he uses this word, two words, and I just want you to not get mad at Peter. All right? I, I've never really seen this before, but I saw it in this study. 1 Peter chapter 1. We're going to look at verse 1. 1 Peter 1. One, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia. Let me just pause there for a moment. Did you see it? To those who are elect exiles. Elect exiles. That means the persecution that they're going through. God chose that. And they were elected. In other words, they were being scattered. But Peter says, by the Holy Spirit, he says, to those who are elect exiles. What if in our sufferings, we drew close to God? Instead of becoming angry with them, and what if when we had confusion because of what was going on in our lives, we didn't start complaining and belly aching and getting on the telephone chain and telling everybody about our sorrows? What if we just turned to God and we trusted God? We entrust ourselves to Him who judges justly. What if we did that? Again, you did promise not to get mad at Peter, right? Okay, so you're elect exiles. So when you are suffering, 
Just call yourself, hey, I'm elect. God has elected me. He has chosen me. Because listen to verse 2. Well, let me read verse 1 again, and then we'll flow into verse 2. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion in these places, verse 2, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. Hmm. What do we do with that? God, why is this happening to me? Isn't that what we do when we start facing difficulties? God, where are you? I thought you loved me. He does. It just may not be playing out like you thought it was going to. Because you're an elect exile. God is moving you from your home of complacency to a place of drawing close to Him. And He has foreknowledge of what you're about to go through and what you are going through and what you will go through. He is the, the one who knows according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. In other words, God is working something in us, and here it is. In the sanctification of the Spirit. So God wants to use our hardships, our difficulties, to bring us back to Him, not to cause us to run from Him. The things that we don't understand that happen in our lives, He doesn't want us to try and figure them out. You know what He wants us to do? He wants us to run to Him. And He wants us to trust Him. And He wants us to find might and strength in Him because by the stripes of Jesus Christ... You know, if you're in, in health, what do you do? You have strength. You have might. According to the foreknowledge of God the Father, in the sanctification of the Spirit, for obedience to Jesus Christ, and for sprinkling with His blood, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. So when you're going through hard times, and look, that doesn't mean that God causes the hard times, but He knows what's coming. But we can also turn to Him and we can trust Him. And when we do, we will begin to work through the process of what God is trying to work in. Sanctification is the same thing as holiness. He's bringing us into a place of holiness before the Lord. And obedience to Jesus Christ and for the sprinkling of His blood. We're going to finish this next week, but I want to close with this scripture. Psalm 105, verse 37. Psalm 105, 37. This is what it says. In, in, remember, 
Passover is they delivered them from the hand of the Egyptians out of Egypt, heading towards the promised land. Okay? They were small in number, and now they're large in number, and there's estimates of them being a million to three million people. Okay, how many of y'all would say that's a lot of people? Right? They're not hiding anymore. This is what Psalm 105 verse 37 says. Then he brought out Israel with silver and gold. And there was none among his tribes who stumbled. I'll read it to you in the King James Version. Psalm 103 or 105, 37. I, I might not have the right one up there. Go to the next one. Yeah, okay, I got it. He also brought them out with silver and gold, and there was none feeble among his tribe. In other words, here's the reality. There was nobody who was sick. There was nobody who was weak. There was nobody who they had to carry out. They were all healthy. They were all strong. They were all filled with vigor and might. Isn't God amazing? Now, you have to understand this. This is... 430 years that they're in Egypt. So you have to know by the years that they were there, there's some infants and there's some old people there. And it said that none of them were feeble. None of them were weak. None of them were handicapped. Isn't that amazing? And this is the picture that we have of might and strength for us. And so I don't want you to walk around feeling sorry for yourself because of what you're going through. Turn to Jesus. And let him be your strength and be your might. Now, in this too, I want you to know something. When he talks about our griefs and our sorrows and all of that out of Isaiah, he's talking about every kind of healing you need whether it's emotional, whether it's mental, whether it's in your thoughts, whether it's in your body, whether it's with your spirit. All of that, He brings healing to us. There's nothing that we're going to face that God hasn't provided for us through Jesus Christ. And I want to declare that we have the might and the power Jesus has received it. He shed his blood so that we can walk in it. If you'll stand with me.